Welcome to episode two of the Long Balls and Loggers podcast. I'm Justin Reschke here with Ryan Noonan, your endearing hosts uh, for this adventure. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing good, man. Feeling good. Yeah, yeah we're absolutely. We're sitting here, sitting here in the studio a little bit later than I think we imagined today, but uh, we um, did a little bit of sleeping in this morning, undeservedly yep. uh, so. Yep. Um, more so than I would have liked, and we began the day with the ambition of uh, cooking some ribs, low and slow on the big green egg. Which, if you if you don't have one of those, look into it. Um, I haven't tried a Traeger grill. I hear that I those are try amazing. Traeger grill. I hear Traeger grills are incredible. I hear that those are amazing. Um, but I'll tell you what, I you know. Again, I'm going to pat my own back like I like to do on this As show. As you should, because you should. I think I just pulled two of the best racks of ribs off of that thing that oh, no, I've no, ever cooked no, in no, my life. No, no, so. no, I disagree. I disagree. I don't think I know All right, did. So. Well, that's that's what we were doing. But uh, when you're cooking ribs low and slow, you need you know a good three, four, five hours, which yeah. is what it ended up taking. Yep. And holy shit, did it pay off. Mm. But that's why we're sitting here uh, at the end of uh, a long Sunday, a long weekend that still continues in tomorrow. Thank you, Labor Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're still here with you talking sports. We're talking everything. Um, we get to do two today. of my favorite things right now. What's that? We get to do two of my favorite things. Lamp, our, lamp, our incredible yep. attack dog is here. That's Lamp the dog. Um, we get to do she two says of hello. my... Yep, she does. We get we're to not going to edit that out. This no, is raw. Absolutely not. We're going to do two of my favorite things. We're going to do a little bit of drinking, and then mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little sports. How can you beat that? You, you can't, can't. You can't beat that. Spoiler alert, you can't. So tell the folks what we're drinking. Exactly. You read my mind. What are we drinking? Great minds think alike. We're, uh, I know the, sh- the show is called Long Balls and Lagers, and there's a bit of a beer theme to it, yep. but we're not drinking beer tonight. We're switching it up because we can because it's our show and you're listening to it. You're not, but that's fine. Um, so we're rocking a couple of old fashions. This is... Uh, this is my go-to cocktail when I'm, you know, it's becoming my go-to cocktail. When I've when I've accomplished things during the day and I say, you know what? I want to have something good to sip on this evening. Um, this is one that I go to and I'm not talking about when you, you know, you walk down to a shitty pub or something and you walk in and you say, "Oh, I want old fashioned." And they're going to make yeah. it with Evan Williams Ugh. and they're going to use crushed ice or That's some bullshit. Disrespectful to and they're going to use club soda. No, we're we're talking the big ass ice cubes that you only see in hipster cities. Um, we're talking, you know, proper uh, crystal glasses. Um, you know, uh, we're talking. Um, we're talking just the peel of the orange. We're not muddling anything. We're not we're not making orange juice here, folks. Just the peel of the orange. Hit it with a little bit of sugar, uh, a few dashes of bitters, and of course a generous portion. Uh, we we like bullet rye. We like know, bullet rye, but here, don't so. forget the generous portion of goodness that we put into it. Exactly, just a little bit of love. That's right. Stir it all together. Don't shake it. We're gonna stir these up, and we're gonna pour it again over that big ass hipster ice cube. And we're oh, gonna enjoy. We know it. So we're enjoying here, um, and I'll tell you why we're enjoying. Uh, a lot to talk about. We're, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about a lot today. To talk about. Um, maybe not not as much as uh, last time, but you know, certainly certainly plenty. Um, but wow, I mean, we, we started our day here, like I said, a little bit later than we wanted to, but, uh, one thing that we were both looking forward to getting up and watching this morning was the formula one race. Oh, and so excited for that. 
I I know that you know Formula One is not you know one of the most popular sports in the U.S. It is one of the most popular sports in the world. Yes, it is. So I will you know talk about that a little bit, but um, it is actually um, last time I checked, it was the third most popular sport in the world behind soccer, uh, the NFL. Mm. Then you have Formula One. Then you have MLB. Incredible. It was a report that I read in Forbes. Might be old now, but either way, but. Formula One, um, it gets a lot of criticism these days. You know, it's it's global. Uh, currently, unfortunately, there's no American drivers in the sport. So it's just a shame. Americans love to see, you know, their sporting heroes uh, do well, and they don't want to see their sporting heroes go into something and fail. They want to see their sporting heroes go in and, you know, and win and win yeah. championships. Yeah. Be inspiring, and that hasn't happened in Formula One, uh, you know, since I mean, really, since Mario Andretti was like it's too long. You could just say like the too one long. great American driver, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, the sport they, they only have one race every year in Austin, uh, Texas, didn't happen this year because of COVID. Um, I've been to that race, I believe, six times. I was now. supposed to go for the first time this year, and I was very disappointed. Yeah, we were go. gonna go down there, and it got canceled. Ugh. Um, but you know, it's coming back, so that's fine. But Again, not a very popular sport, but man, I tell you, um, there's something that's really cool about spending hundreds of millions of dollars to go fast. Yeah. And that's what these teams do. And we're not talking teams like, you know, you've got teams in NASCAR that maybe have, you know, one or two cars and they spend, you know, some money, a lot of money, but comparatively in the world of sports, not very much money. Not as much money as F1. And they're, they're all racing, you know, pretty much the same car. Um but in Formula One, you've got Mercedes, you've got Ferrari, you've got McLaren, you know, Aston Martin, Aston mean, Martin. Yeah, you've got these high-performance brands all competing to be there at the front. And the ones that have been there at the front the last several years, really since 2014, has been Mercedes. They have figured out how to win in this current era, and they've won damn near every race. Well, but you know what? That's what made today special, and I'll tell you why. That's what made today special. Because exactly. We had, we had a change-up today on the podium. We did we have had a change-up change on the podium. And, you know, personally, when I was looking at Instagram afterwards, looking at the photos from the race, how great were the photos of Pierre Gasly as he was sitting on the podium? Yeah. Well, you know, today's winner, first of all, we didn't have a single Mercedes car on the podium. Which for, stunned me. I mean, the first time in like forever. I don't even know what, yeah. what that stat is. Um, the race was in Monza, Italy, which is in Milan, in uh, northern northern Italy, and usually beautiful area. Usually, like. it's a race that Ferrari, being Italian, yep. uh, they circle that one as one that they want to go out and they want to win every single year. And last year, they won it with a young driver from Monaco named Charles Leclerc, and uh, they won it for the first time in a long time last year. This um, year, they can't catch a break. This year, their car is shit. They'd be faster driving John Deere tractors, and you're you're talking Ferrari that spends three hundred to four hundred million dollars building a car to go fast. Okay, see what I like about Ferrari? Yeah, they're one of two teams in Formula One that sell cars yep. in order to go racing. Every other brand, every other car brand that's in Formula One, they they go racing in order to sell more cars. It's a marketing exercise, but no. Ferrari, since day one, they've been there. They've raced in every single World Championship Grand Prix that there's ever been since the 1950s. Yep. And the reason that they're in F1 
is because they want to be there, because they want to race. They're a racing team. And the reason that they sell cars to rich guys is to fund their racing efforts all around the world. So, so that's let, awesome. So let me ask you this. What do you think the late, great Nicky Lauda would say about Ferrari's performance this year? <laughs> he would say that the car is a shitbox. Oh, and he would <laughs> tell people, would tell him, you can't say that, Nicky, but he's going to say, say, you can't say that about a Ferrari. You yeah. can't say that about the Ferrari. Your Italian accent needs some work. It's awful. It's yeah. terrible. Well, that car needs some work too. Well, that's true. But either way, um, you know, I want to talk about just before we move on here with uh, with this happy hour segment, jumping right into it. I love happy um, hour. I want to talk about today's race winner, Pierre Gasly. This guy raced uh, for Red Bull. Um, just didn't work. Red Bull pumps in uh, around $200 million into Formula One. They obviously don't build cars. They have a partnership with Aston Martin. Uh, for sponsorship, and Honda is the engine manufacturer that builds the engines. But Red Bull, they use it as a marketing tool. Um, they own uh, two teams in Formula One. They have Red Bull Racing, that um, Sebastian Vettel won four world championships driving for Red Bull four years in a row. Uh, and, you know, they're very, very successful. Um, they're an Austrian team, Austrian brand, and uh, they own the racetrack that they race at every year in Austria and in Spielberg. And um, there's a lot of money behind Red Bull. You know, I mean, we see Red Bull everywhere. Yep. You know, I mean, a lot of resources there. Especially in my drink. Well, Pierre Gasly uh, was a driver that raced for the B team, uh, Toro Rosso, which is Italian for Red Bull because their B team is based in Italia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Know, whatever. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just no. Have, you I'm said just it right. Cut me off. Um, you know, yeah. So. <laughs> um, We're not at last call yet. I can't cut you off. Right. The. Uh, their junior team, they use it to develop young drivers. Um, they know that Toro Rosso isn't competing for wins. They're there to develop drivers. And, you know, it's kind of a test team. If they have a, a strategy or if, if the big team Red Bull has, you know, maybe a, um, a direction that they want to go in developing their car, they might try out some, some different ideas on their junior team knowing that they have nothing to lose. So Pierre Gasly raced for that junior team. My highlight of today, though, let me just toss this out there. Yeah. You got me into watching racing uh, a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. right? You got me watching racing. And in the course of my time watching racing, I don't think I've seen anybody as excited and as emotional uh, as Pierre Gasly was today when he won the Italian Grand Prix. I mean, you exactly. could just see it. He looked like and a here's little kid. Why. You know, here's... He was a guy, he started out in that junior team, Toro Rosso, um, with the aspiration of one day getting into the Red Bull car um, and driving for the top team and competing for wins and competing for championships, and he got there. Um, but when they called him up, he was driving alongside a guy named Max Verstappen, who is the best young driver in the world. Uh, he's won races for Red Bull. Um, he is... Uh, he does things in a race car that you know shouldn't even really be possible, and he's only 23 years old doing it. He's incredible. He made his debut in, in Formula One as a 17-year-old, so it's just yeah. it's insane what what he does. And for Pierre Gasly um, to come up and be his teammate and race in the same, you know, they they race in identical cars in Formula One. Um, Do they just not gel. I mean, what do you, what do you think happened there? I think that the pressure racing alongside. A prodigy like Max Verstappen was too much for Gasly. Um, yeah. He was thrown into the fire real quick, and that's how it goes. You know, in in sports, really anywhere, 
if you're given a task and if, if that pressure is put on your shoulders, you're expected to perform at the highest level. And Gasly didn't. Uh, you know, he, he had some crashes um, that were really his fault alone. Um, he had some performances that were just not, you know, very good. Whereas Max Verstappen, his teammate in an identical car, was winning races, um, qualifying on pole, uh, really challenging um, the Mercedes. And he was really one of the only cars over the last several years, one of the only drivers that has been able to challenge the Mercedes week in and week out. Yep. And he's he's one of the best in the world. Um, well, an F1 is very much a what have you done for me lately Yes, sort of an entity. And I think, you know, at the end of that season when they let Pierre go, I think that was a purely a business decision. It's got to be. It has it, to be. It has to be. So what they did was last year, in the middle of the season, they didn't even wait till the end of the year. Um, they sent Pierre back to the junior team, back to Toro Rosso. And they called up uh, a Thai driver named Alex Albon, who's just a, he's a fantastic young man. He's great. He's a great personality. Um, and he's under pressure right now. He needs to show you know some, some things. But that's, yes, he does. that's another topic for another day. But, um, you know, they sent Pierre Gasly back down. It's like being demoted to the minors, you know. And it doesn't happen in Formula One. It just doesn't. There are no minor leagues in F1. But we, but we could see that coming, though, I think. I mean, I think people you saw could. that coming. Yeah, but... You're um, right, it doesn't happen, though. But it was, uh, I mean, wow, it was it was shocking, you know. Um, so Red Bull made the swap. And uh, Pierre Gasly was really hit with a holy shit moment, you know. What do I do? Yeah. Do I take this? You know, and it was really a slap in the face to do it in the middle of the season. Well, it's also what we would refer to as a two-by-four of reality upside yeah, the head. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was. That's so, an American um, you know, term for that. He took his medicine. Uh, he knew that he wasn't going to win any races anytime soon in that Toro Rosso car because it's just not developed the same that yeah. the Red Bull car is. Um, they're not allowed to share any information between the two teams because even though you've got the same owners, they are two separate teams. Um, so... He took it and he went out and he drove his ass off. He drove his ass off for the rest of the year. Um, the other thing that was like a two by four upside the head, like mm -hmm. you said, was uh, during a race in um, early September last year in Spa, which is in Belgium, um, his best friend, Antoine Hubert, uh, who was a young up and coming driver himself, um, a race winner in Formula Two, uh, was killed um, in oh, a so uh, tragic. tragic accident in. Um, in that Formula Two race in Belgium, so um, that really hit Pierre Gasly hard. And you had to you had to think that Antoine was on Pierre's mind today. Absolutely, I mean you could see it in his face. So this is a guy, you know, a young man who has been through. Um, you know, he he thought that his career might be over uh, after a very yeah. very short time after being demoted. Um, he lost his best friend, you know, in the sport that he loves, somebody who he grew up racing with uh they're both frenchmen um and today uh at the start of the race we had lewis hamilton on pole as we always do these days we had his teammate in the mercedes valtteri botas yep. starting second and we had um max verstappen uh is it max that started third i think max started third okay. yeah. yeah yeah i can't remember um you know up there um if he didn't start third, he was up there. You know. He was definitely top ten. Those are the the sure. contenders. You know, that's that's what what you get these days. So let me ask you this though, real quick, while I'm thinking about it. Let mm -hmm. me ask you: Did Pierre win it, or did Lewis lose it? 
I think Pierre won it. Um, I think that Pierre won it because he, all weekend long, he was fast in practice. He was fast in qualifying. Uh, qualified, put his car top 10 um, in qualifying, which for uh, now the team is called Alpha Tauri. They're rebranded from Toro Rosso, but it's still that Red Bull junior team. Um, you know, for them to qualify in the top 10 was, was huge. And um, they ran good all weekend. And you have to run good all weekend, every single practice session, obviously, in qualifying too, and most importantly in the race, to have a chance. And that's what Pierre Gasly did. He gave that team a chance. And um, the race played out. It was, a, a, it was just chaos of a race. It was a shit show of a race. I have not seen that much chaos in a race in the yeah. time of my watching F1. You had two, two safety cars, which... One safety car in an F1 race is, is rare. You know, they're not racing on ovals. They're racing on tracks that are two, three, four, five miles long. So there's a lot of opportunity to spread the cars out where you don't need a safety car or a pace car to bunch them all up to clear an incident um, here and there. But we had two today. And um, the first one, Lewis Hamilton drove into a pit lane that was closed. Which is a, I don't want to say it's a rookie move, but you you expect more out of a veteran like Lewis yeah. not to make a careless and, mistake like you know, that. And, you know, NASCAR, NASCAR, IndyCar, as soon as the caution flag waves, they'll close the pit lane, they'll stack everybody up, then they'll bring the cars down pit lane if they want to pit so that it doesn't create an advantage one way or another. In Formula One, they say, fuck that. Yeah. If we got a safety car... And if you can duck right into the pits, cool, go for it. You know, it's right there. Take that advantage. So for well, and then Lewis tried to sell it and say, "Was there a light? I didn't see it." And I don't, right. I don't believe that. But for a second. but the issue was that there was a car stopped uh, pretty close to the entrance entrance of pit lane, which is why pit lane was closed. Normally, yeah. pit lane would have been open, no issue. Um, I can't even recall the last time that they actually had to close pit well, lane. Well, I can't even recall the last time that they had to do a restart like we saw today. Yeah, and that was that's one of the new rules that they've had for years, but they've never implemented it, was yeah. um, they don't just stick the pace car out there after a red flag and get everyone going and then pull the pace car off and then, bam, you're back to racing. They actually line up on the grid, come to a full stop, side-by-side. Uh, side. Um, they have the lights uh, you know, go on and then go off, and then they're racing again. So it's just like the race start. It's you know a what? standing good, good start. For, good for Pierre yep. for qualifying. Or for, I'm sorry, for capitalizing. He was there. He he did everything that he needed to be to capitalize on that moment when Lewis um, ultimately got that penalty for coming in and uh, entering <laughs> a pit lane that Excuse was closed me. and trying to get that advantage. Yep. And if... If Lewis doesn't do that, he wins the race by a mile. He wins that race by 20 or 30 seconds. And what I think is a little bit overlooked is that Lewis was not the only one to do that. Right. Antonio uh, Giovinazzi yeah. did as well. Antonio Giovinazzi, the uh, only Italian in the race, his yep. his home race, um, he did it as well. So there obviously was some confusion. Well, his, and I think that's what made it. Pit lane open or is it closed? But yeah. the teams that got it right you know, benefited hugely. That's what from made it. it a debate. So, But the stewards got it right. Yeah. The stewards got it right. Exactly. So today's winner, uh, Pierre Gasly, you know, um, after everything that he's been through and uh, winning a race before Alex Albon, who replaced him at Red Bull, has even been on the podium. Yeah. Is is really incredible. All you have to do is and just doing it in a lesser in a lesser car. So yeah. check that out. I'm not asking you to go back and watch the race, but you know, if you want to, it was on ESPN. If you got the app, you know, it's on demand. Um 
fantastic race if you're curious about checking out some F1 shit. But if not, go on Instagram, check out the at F1 Instagram uh, account and just look at some of those photos from Pierre Gasly on the podium because, wow, uh, yeah. that is what sports is all about. You know what? And I just, I did, this is for later, but I just thought of who I'm going to cheers to. I yep. just thought of it. Exactly. Um, so with that being said, uh, we're going to... We're going to raise a glass. We're going to cheers. I'm going to cheers to Pierre Gasly. You know what? I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I yeah. just thought of somebody else. I was initially going to cheers Pierre, uh, Pierre Gasly for Perfect. an incredibly well done race today. Deserving win. But you know what? I also want to, I want to, I want to raise a glass to Claire Williams. I want to raise a glass to Claire Williams. You're damn right. And the Williams family for what they've done, what they've meant to F1. Yep. The emotion around the Williams garage today was evident. And, you know, I, the way that, you know, Claire was the one that led them out of the garage today. Yeah. And I, just the, the incredible emotion. I mean, what's F1 going to be like without a Williams at the head of right. a racing team? Not only that, but they're the last family-run racing team in Formula One. Exactly. And we, we, we talked about this, how these brands spend hundreds of millions of dollars to go and win races. Well, Williams... He's been in the sport since, I think, the 70s. The 70s, yep. With one guy, Frank Williams, this little British Sir guy. Frank Williams. This little, little British guy who never gives in. Well, let know? me just say one other thing, too. You know, obviously, Pierre had an incredible day today. But if you go back and look at the highlights of the Italian Grand Prix today, listen to Latifi and Russell on the radio. Yep. Paying tribute to Claire. You could tell the emotions in their voice. I got a little choked up. I'm not going to lie. It, it was, it was, you know, it was a little not right there. It was the cast of drivers that have driven and started their careers with yeah. Williams. Um, recently, Williams has not won many races. Their last race win was in um, 2011, I believe, yeah. with Pastor Maldonado in Spain. Um, yeah, they, you know, they run around at the back, but they love to go racing. They don't have the budget. They're not a brand. They're a family-owned no. team, like you said. You're right. Um, so I'm raising a glass to Claire. Frank Williams passed it down to his daughter, Claire Williams. Yep. And, um, you know, now they de they help develop young drivers. Um, yep. How many drivers wouldn't be where they are today without the Williams family? Sebastian Vettel started his career with yes, Williams. Yes, he did. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg started his career with Williams. Yep. Uh, Nico Rosberg, yep. world champion, started his career with Williams. Jensen Button, world champion, um, I believe, began his career with Williams. Um, Nigel Mansell, uh, superstar driver, Nigel Mansell, won world championships with Williams um, in the 90s. Uh, Ayrton Senna drove oh, Ayrton um, Senna. for Williams yes, in the indeed. 90s. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, Damon Hill. Um, man, you're just you're naming off all you stars go, and legends. Man. You go up and down, uh, world champions. Everybody from world champions or drivers that are now world champions, they got yeah. their start with Williams, and it's incredible. Incredible. So their their place in the sport um, is there forever, and the team name for now is going to remain Williams uh, Racing. And I I would imagine that's probably going to change in the coming years. Unfortunately, think? I think that yeah. it will. Um, but. This was the last race where Frank Williams was officially the team principal and Claire Williams, his daughter, was officially the deputy uh, team principal. Um, it was the last race with two people with the last name Williams on board. So, oh. absolutely, we're going to raise a glass to, to Williams, family. Williams. It truly is the end of an era. End of and an era. that is the end of our happy hour segment because... Great happy hour, man. Once again, you know, we're... 
we're just going to jump right into it here. Let's do it. Um, what's on tap? Well, <laughs> what's on tap? Is that, is that another? Tap. No, yeah. we're, we're done with the buzzwords. We are done with the buzzwords. Well, no, for we're now. not. <laughs> we're, we're not. Let's be When we get to the last call, the buzzwords are going to be yeah, flowing. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, so here, um, last episode, we talked about the NFL and what's to come this week. You know, we kick off. Yeah. Um, depending on when this podcast is released. Mm-hmm. In uh, coordination with our fantastic uh, partners, um, Castos Podcasting, they they host all these for us. Um, yeah, you know, this is going to be released at least by Thursday. Uh, yeah. So let's say that you know we're still prior to the NFL season, but a season right now that we're in the midst of, in the heat of it, yeah, uh, is Major League Baseball. I season. got some frustrations with this man. I really do. Um, you know, I, well, okay, go I, go for it. Well, let me. I, I, I want to. I want to go right. Give me into some this. real shit. And and it's not because I'm a few drinks in, because I'm definitely a few drinks in. But you know what? I don't like it because you and I were sitting there watching. I think it was Detroit and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The game was at Target Field, right? Right. Minnesota was in their visitors' uniforms. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't even catch that. I didn't you caught catch, that. We and then you caught on to that later after I initially caught on to it. You were like, "Okay, hold on. Like, am I really this hungover?" Or well, is, yeah, that was definitely a question. But beyond yeah. that, let me just say this too. You know what? I think something like that. I think when you're trying to jam sixty games into a quote unquote season, right? And the way this all came together. I think is going to have serious ramifications when you're looking at the next collective bargaining agreement, but when you're also looking at the chemistry between the league and the players association. Yeah. I think there's I think baseball's headed towards a lockout, and I'll tell you something else. Mm-hmm. You know, the Marlins at the beginning part of the season didn't help themselves when they decided to go out clubbing the last week of training camp. Can't believe we're calling it that in baseball, but yeah, training camp in the middle of what July. Yeah, and the Marlins went a week and a half without playing any games. That's on them. But you know what? I have kind of a beef with how MLB has handled all of this. I feel like you know what? You're going to force feed a season down everybody's throat. It's mm-hmm. either you have a decently long season, more than sixty games, or you just don't have it. Yeah, you know, and um, I like that you brought up the CBA because that's essentially at the expense of fans, at the yeah. expense of the Major League Baseball fans. Um, what we saw in the process that led up to the decision to play a 60-game season and to implement that and all the protocols and everything that go along with it, that was posturing. That was posturing between the owners represented by the commissioner, Rob mm-hmm. Manfred, who's dog shit. Um, the worst <laughs> Commissioner in professional sports. Currently, absolutely. The worst. Um, and I used to say that was Batman, but not no, anymore. No, yeah, fight me on it. I don't, you, I, you can't. I can't. Um, and the Players Association, which the MLB Players Union is the strongest union in sports. And that's a credit to period. Tony Clark. Yes, absolutely. They are no doubt the strongest. Those players make more money than any other of the big four athletes yep. in the U.S. Um, and they're the strongest union in sports, period. And they got... They got a little bent over, you know, by you know by uh, the the owners um, and by Manfred on this one. And, and here's, uh, but here's my main argument as to why I can't stand how all of this happened. Right, the worst kept secret in the world, you know, amongst everybody that we mutually know that you are the most diehard Oakland A's fan. 
I am the most diehard Atlanta Braves fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a close personal connection to the Atlanta Braves because of my grandparents. Right. Living in Atlanta since 1990. I don't have very many opportunities left to go to baseball games with them. Right. And by there not being any fans, but you're still going to allow baseball to happen. I mean, that's not fair. It's like, you know, don't make me realize I'm missing out on some possible great memories with my grandparents. Either there's baseball or there's no baseball. You cannot have yeah. a middle. There's no middle ground. And not only happen, but happen with a 60-game season. I mean, come on. You know. And then I, let me tell you something else. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm, a bit of, I'm, a, I'm on a bit of a tangent. Let it roll. Whoever at Fox decided to have digital fans inside the stadium <laughs> do us all a favor go open the closest door to you put your hand there and slam the door shut and then you're fired because <laughs> you i mean if that's not the most wannabe millennial move i've ever seen i mean i mean it's trash you're it's like you've got it's a slap in the face it's like you've got what five thousand Casper the Friendly ghosts? You know, just hovering over the sea. Yeah, hovering. The, it doesn't even look real. Stop trying it's, to make this look like the Matrix. Distraction. Quit trying to make this look like the Matrix. It's not that the Matrix is a terrible connection, but whatever. No, you know it's what fine. I mean. there's, there's a new one coming out eventually. You know, after Bill and Ted. This is my third old fashioned. I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent. <laughs> but no, I mean you're you're right. It's a sixty game season. There's no fans, or there's digital fans even worse there, and it. You know, it, it's like you're just asking to be made fun of. Well, what does it, what does it feel like? Well, to me, it feels like both sides kind of really didn't want this. The owners didn't want to play at all because they're putting players on the field that they're paying, uh, that that they're not really collecting any revenue on. I mean, yeah, some teams have you know good TV deals, um, but many don't, and um, many teams don't have you know the sponsorship that goes along with a lucrative television deal. And they're not collecting ticket revenue. They're not collecting concession revenue. They're not selling, you know. Stadium employees are not being paid. Well, yeah, it, exactly. But that's that's you know a feather in the cap to the true that's to true. the owners that, that yeah. they don't have these these expenses. But the revenues far I mean, far outweigh on, the expenses. Man. You know. Um. So they didn't want to play any games under these circumstances because it costs them money. The players, their original proposal. Was, was, was for like reasonable. well, it was like 102 games because they said that's what it'll yeah. take for it to be worth it for us to leave our families and go play baseball. Pay us a prorated uh, portion of our contract for 102 games, and the or the uh, owners said, uh, "No, we're going to play." Um, I think they came back at like 50, yeah, and then the players came back at like 80. Well, Rob Manfred could have just instituted a 50 game season with the approval of uh, two-thirds of the owners and just said, screw it, we're playing 50 games but and that's But then you would it. have had a lockout. Then I think you would have had a strike, yeah. Oh, absolutely yeah. you would have. I think that the players would have you know, just said, well, hell no, we're not doing that. No. And the beauty of it is that the collective bargaining agreement, which is the terms that the Players Association plays for these owners, uh, that current deal is expiring at the end of next season. So I think you're, I think we're in trouble. I, th- I think baseball is in trouble, and I think I, I put the blame entirely it's on trouble. It's on Manfred. And what ended up happening? Well, you know, the fans can blame Manfred, and the players can blame Manfred, and that's completely fair. But Manfred got a huge W for his owners because the owners they only have to lose money on sixty games. 
Um, they still get to play for a bona fide World Series because it is being recognized as a full-blown World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, and the players are only getting paid uh, for the 60 games that they play. They're not getting salary for 162 games. Well, and here's my problem it's with that. It's prorated. Mike Trout was due $38 million this year, mm-hmm. right? And that was well-publicized. Right. He, was, he was due $38 million you signed a contract with that player to pay him $38 million. Now, you as an owner, I'm talking to you, Artie Moreno, you as an owner in cooperation with the Major League Baseball commissioner basically circumvented any player contracts that you had and now you don't have to pay him as much. And here's a guy like Mike Trout who deserves every bit of that $38 million a year. And the, I think just shy of half a billion dollar overall contract that he got from the Angels, which again, is he's worth every penny. I, I just, I don't like how this all came together. And it, it makes me, and I'm going to refrain from making any Houston Astros jokes. Lord knows I can. You don't have to. I don't have to? No, this okay. is this is not so, a pro-Astros Podcast. Well, that's true. So, but you know what? We've we've dealt with enough asterisks. Throw already. at all of them. Throw at all yeah, of them. We've we've yeah. throw at them all. We've 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 <laughs> developed. You know, we've dealt with a few asterisks put, already. Put Joe Kelly on every single all of the twenty nine other rosters. Put Joe Kelly on there as their twenty eighth man, twenty ninth man, wherever we're at, we're at with the expanded roster. Joe Kelly gets to pitch for every team in 2020 that's playing the Astros and throw at hitters one through nine. I am going to get a photo of Joe Kelly, and I'm going to get it on a T-shirt in the shape of a heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to wear that to a Dodger game, and I'm going to be like, Joe, I'm with you, bro. Yeah, we're all with him. We are all with you, Joe Kelly. And, you know, so so I got off on a tangent there, but you know what? That's, we, we, that's what this show's about. That's true. This, <laughs> this show is not doing too well right now. It's fine. But, you know, here's the thing. No one's going to listen to it. That's true, probably true. We've dealt with how many asterisks so far, you know, especially with the Houston Astros. And then it makes me wonder, is this entire season going to have an asterisk next to it? Is this going to be a legitimate season? Yeah, I part of baseball is the grind. It's the dog days of summer, and it's always been that way. Yeah, it's always been the longest season in sports by far. Um, and it's about you know getting your star pitcher, you know, through 30, 32 starts. Can you keep him healthy? Can he be effective that long? Can he mix up his shit? You know, if he's throwing ninety six in April, is he going to be throwing ninety six in August? You know, it's about that longevity. It's about uh, you know. The streakiness of hitters. Hitters can get hot for 60 games, yeah. or they can get cold for 60 games. Um, and you're screwing with players' livelihoods, too, with this whole thing, but that's another story. Yeah, you know, but but it's it's just watching it. Where does a 60-game season fall in, you know, the annals of, of Major League Baseball history? And it's going to be really interesting to see what shakes out, um, you know, in the playoffs is this is this a legitimate season? Can we crown a legitimate champion? It's not just a 60-game season. We now have a universal DH uh, American League and National League that was going to be implemented anyway next season, but now it's implemented for this season. So we, have, we have expanded rosters this season. 
Um, it was going to be a 26-man roster, and now they said, no, you know what? We're going to keep it at 28 because of COVID and all the positive tests they've had. Yep. We're going to keep it at 28 for the whole year. So now that pitcher that, you know, maybe longevity and durability is, is an issue, now maybe it's not because you have a 27th man or a 28th man that can that can be a pitcher and, and help pick up that slack and take some of that uh, pressure off of your, your workhorses. Um, we have, you know, Expanded playoffs. More teams are going to make the playoffs than ever before in Major League Baseball after a shortened 60-game season. Is that is that legitimate? Should we have more teams in the playoffs? Because maybe over 162, you would have had teams get hot at the end and compete, and you don't want to penalize those teams. Or should you say, no, hey, season is the same for everyone. You got to get hot now, and you got to stay hot to be a postseason team. And the you reason know? why we're what asking, do you think is it is it a legitimate season? I I don't know. And the reason why we're we're asking all of these questions, and the reason why I'm saying I don't know because we don't know because we don't know, and I blame that again on Manfred. The way this whole season was handled from top to bottom, I blame it on Manfred because with my luck, I love my Atlanta Braves to the. End of the earth and back. You haven't but, mentioned that on the show. Well, before. I, I, you're so right. Thank you for yeah, that yeah up. of course, absolutely. But you know, you haven't mentioned your love of Michigan football. But whatever. I mean, oh, sorry, Ohio State football. They have a football team. Up there? Uh, who knows? That's another in the, story. And that's it up north. I yeah, don't know. That. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll get to. We'll get to. We'll get to football. They got some there. ugly cheerleaders. I know. Oh that. lord. Oh, I guess it yeah. makes sense that they'd also have a football team then. But jeez. Oh, yeah. This, this. Yeah. This is just getting ugly. But you know what? I blame Manfred. But there, here's there goes the Facebook post for this podcast. Right, probably. Here's I think the most important question though. When you take into consideration expanded playoffs, whether or not teams deserve to be in mm-hmm. expanded playoffs, what's that gonna do to a potential World Series matchup? Mm-hmm. What's it gonna do? Because you know, you could say You're gonna have teams that wouldn't have been playoff teams in right. any other season, and you're gonna have those teams all of a sudden they're a playoff team. And maybe they get hot at the right time or they rely, you know, maybe that 27-28th man got them into the playoffs in the first place where normally they wouldn't even be a playoff team, let alone having a 28th or 20, you know, that guy. Yeah, that one, sure. You know, man, come on. Yeah, come on. yeah you know. <laughs> you know, I don't do math good, so it's whatever. Yeah, you know, I, they're there under these circumstances and under these expanded playoffs. And, you know, yeah, you're right. What if we have a World Series champion Come from a playoff team that, in a regular season, in 2019 or a regularly scheduled 2021, would not have been. Well, there. you know what? What I could tell you for sure, it's not going to be the Houston Astros because the Houston Astros don't—they don't know what pitches are coming this time around. So it's a lot different when you don't know what pitches are coming versus when you do. And you know, I'm just—I'm—I'm. I'm, crapping all over the Astros because they deserved it. But that's, again, another story entirely. Excuse me while I crack open my beer. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I think that if you're looking at possible NL teams for a World Series matchup, you got to go with the Dodgers. I think I think the Dodgers are an impeccably well-run organization. Um, I think you highlighted this before in one of our many arguments. I love this guy keeping us on topic here and just moving the show along. Well, see, I've, someone's uh, got to do well, it. Well, someone's got to do it. I'm not doing it. Lord knows that the quality of the show is already going downhill. But 
Andrew, is it Friedman? Andrew Friedman? Did yeah. I get that right? Yeah. Andrew Friedman. You, did I do that right? Yeah. Well, just the way jobs change in L.A. these days. Who knows? Don't worry. George Clooney's going to play him in a movie one of these oh, days. Oh, Lord. He's already ruined enough franchises, <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, so here's the thing. Um, if you're looking at possible NL teams that are going to be playoff contenders and possible World Series contenders, I go with the Dodgers. I mean, they've got the talent. I mean, Kershaw's the man. I made my love of Clayton Kershaw well known. We talked about that episode one. At nauseum. Um, He's probably going to think that we're weirdos because we talked about him a lot last If episode. you have an unlimited data plan on your phone, go download episode one because you'll need it to get through that entire monstrosity. You're gonna worth th- it. Yeah, you're going to think that we were wearing <laughs> Clayton Kershaw PJs while we were talking about him, which... You weren't? Uh, no comment. You sleep naked anyway. No comment. Shh, I don't tell the people that. <laughs> that's, that's a secret, you hooligan. So... I'm going to go with the Dodgers in, in the NL. What do you think? I like the Padres. Really? I like the Padres. I like the Padres. And again, you know, NL West team. The Padres got some mojo this year, man. The Padres Where have... the hell did they come from? Dude, they've got the best player in baseball, Fernando Tatis Jr. It's him and it's Mike Trout. And it's awesome to watch because they're going back and forth for the home run lead. Be um, careful when you... If you don't include Manny Machado, he might get hurt feelings, but... Just oh, careful. I mean, yeah, Manny Machado is like, he's a superstar. He is a any, superstar. Any other season, if Fernando Tatis isn't on that team, obviously, yeah, Machado's the dude. Yeah. And that's saying a lot because you still got, like, Eric Hosmer on that team. I mean, that's a good team, top to bottom. Yeah. But what Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing in San Diego is awesome. He's saying, hey, baseball's unwritten rules, shove it. Yeah, he's he's – He's teeing off 3-0 and hitting grand slams and getting thrown at for doing Here's it. Here's what I think of your unwritten rules, dinosaurs. <laughs> Is that too aggressive? No. Yeah, yeah way too. Okay. No, just come on. All right, so so uh, what about the AL? What do you think? I mean, I feel a little dirty saying this out loud, but... Well, okay, hold on. I don't want to move forward too fast here. I was going to give some love to your Atlanta Braves ah, as a dark yes. horse. My man. If they, can okay? get, if they can get hot, you know, they're they're playing in a division that they're going to win. They're going to win the NL East. No one else is even close. You just gave some love to my team. Are you feeling okay? Everybody else is hovering right around, you know, 500. And uh, the Washington Nationals, who were in the World Series last year, they're 14 and 25. Our, I mean, what is our, going on? I don't know. Our, they have they have two of the best pitchers in the game with uh, Scherzer and Strasburg. Um, our they, starting rotation worries me, but that's... Well, there's a lot that worries me about the Braves. Mm-hmm. The rotation... The bullpen is thin. Um, um, the I offense. With you there. Well, I don't. I don't see that. I as see. Being, I think we have a deep bullpen, but I think our our starting rotation. You, you know, have Darren O'Day in your we, bullpen. Okay, first of all, Darren O'Day has been pretty stellar for us. We have Tyler Matzik, who you know, you know pretty well. I would think played out here for us in yes, Palm Springs. Did. So, we, um, we but have, he was out of the game for uh, damn near three years. He was, but we have we have Mark Melanson. We've got okay. Will, we have Will Smith. Okay, um, good one. Yeah, Will Smith throwing is, harder than ever. Yeah, Will Smith is a great one. Um, we have a few pitchers who I could do without that are going to remain nameless because you know I don't want to get shanked next time I go to a Braves game. No one's listening. You're fine. You can speak freely. Luke Jackson. Oh man, he <laughs> just gives me heart palpitations. He's got bad hair and he's a bad <sighs> pitcher. I, I, Luke Jackson, I, I just, I, I just can't, I can't 
I can't. But, you know, we have good long guys like Josh Tomlin. Yeah. You know, and that's what gives me hope. But, you know, this year for our starting rotation, we were supposed to have Felix Hernandez. That didn't work out. Mike Soroka blew out his Achilles. Right. Um, you know, Max Freed has been stellar, but he got Streaky. lit up. Streaky. Well, he was 6-0 this year. He was. He's 6-0 this year, but he got... But he, historically, he got, he's streaky. Histor- well, he's... He's, he's think, inconsistent. He can't put it together. He's stepping up this year. He's on my fantasy team, so I'm telling you, he's, he's going to lose it. Well, <laughs> you will speak respectfully about Max Freed because this is a Max Freed house, and if you don't like that, then you can just go take a nap. Well, that's why I'm taking you to, uh, back to the airport tomorrow. Oh, so Fair enough. Um, so, but that's... That's who I like. You know, I mean, the Cubs are right there, 23 and 18. I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening Where's for the Jason Cubs. Where's Jason Hayward been? You know, I just, I just don't see them stepping up and yeah. just riding that wave. Because in baseball, you have to ride that wave. Or maybe you don't in expanded playoffs. Who you knows? know, other than you, Darvish, they don't have a starting pitcher that makes me go, oh, geez, how about that guy? The American League. I got to go Oakland. You like Oakland? I do. I you have a scrappy team, and first of all, I think Oakland's been scrappy for a long time, and that's what makes people underestimate them. But you know what? Manea's throwing hard. He's, he's throwing good, but he he always has the beginning. He, yeah. He has to avoid the beginning. Yep. If he can put together five, six, I, I, he, I don't think he's ever gone into the seventh inning this season. Um, you got Mike Fires. Fires is the rock. Who you also have to get Secret Service protection for if uh, and when they go back to Houston. Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they got Jesus Lazardo, who is one of the best left-handers in the game right now. Well, and then Loriano hit a ball that I don't think has landed yet in Oakland. Yeah, he's, we uh, he's a five-tool guy. God almighty, that guy's um, going to bat. Matt Chapman, MVP candidate over there at third base. Matt Olson, platinum glove or gold glover. Maybe a platinum glover over there at first base. Well, and I had bombs. Nurse, I had to nurse you back to health when the A's traded Donaldson because I was worried about your your. Oh, I hated state. it. Yeah, but now that you have a guy like Chapman who came up through the ranks, yeah, and who I think has gotten hold of the third base position at that level for the foreseeable future. He's I mean, the best third baseman in the game. He's I I would not argue yeah. with you about that one bit. At the very least, he's the best third baseman in the in the American League. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that if you're going to say best overall, I would say I would counter that with Nolan Arenado. Same high school, high but, school teammates. But, well, there you go. So I Who played I, shortstop and who played third base? Chapman played shortstop. Okay, but we're talking about third base. So yeah, but the better athlete plays short. <laughs> well, just sit there in your wrongness and be wrong. Anyways, so. The NL bias is strong with this yeah, one. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, so I don't know, man. I mean, you got a lot of options there when you're talking about a World Series matchup. Yeah, no, I mean, I the the A's can get hot. Uh, they had, um, I think, the longest winning streak this season um, earlier. You know, uh, this season, um, they won the equivalent of 21.6 games over uh, a regular season yeah. um, in a row, and they actually hung that banner uh, just like they did. I think all um, roads are going to go for the 20 Tampa, game win streak. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay is the quietest team in the league. Yep. They just win. They just win. For me, they have the best rotation. I think all roads in the American League are going to go through Tampa. I really Tampa's do. got Blake Snell, um, probably the best left hander in the game right now. You know, I wouldn't say probably. I would say definitely. Yeah. Um, you've got um, Tyler Glass now, mm-hmm. who they picked up from uh, Pittsburgh. You know. The only downside is you have that absolute dungeon of a stadium. 
well, it doesn't matter. There's no fans. Who cares? That's true. And that's an advantage because they're they're playing on turf. Yeah. And nobody else is because the only other team that played on turf was the Toronto Blue Jays, more affectionately known in 2020 as the Buffalo Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So that in and of itself. I can't make my Toronto jokes this year. That Ah. in and of itself is an advantage for, for Tampa Bay. So for me, you like Oakland? I do. And that's not, a, that's not a hometown bias for me. I like Tampa Bay. I think that's your ALCS matchup. I'm just if gonna... I had to pick right now, though, I would go Chicago White Sox out of the AL. Oh, sneaky. That's sneaky. They got some of the hottest hitters in the game. That's Jose Abreu hits jacks on command. Um, they have a really good rotation. Oh, sneaky good. They have a good bullpen. They have everything. Yeah. They play good defense. They have... They have veterans. They have young players. I mean, yep, that's sneaky. I didn't think about the White Sox. That's Lewis Robert. That's is, interesting. I, he's he might win a Rookie of the Year this year. You know, that's that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Um, and it's really easy to sit here and just name off all the division. Right, winners, you can make an argument for a, pretty a much number what, of different teams. What we've done, but I I really like Chicago. I really like the Padres. Um, Who do you got coming out of the American League altogether? Altogether, um, I'm saying Chicago. I, really? Yeah. Man, I, I, I think know. that they've they've got that mix of veterans, younger players. Um, they've got pit, pitching. They got hitting. They got defense. Um, they're playing in a division that, I mean, on paper it looks like a really strong, really tough division. But I don't think that they're going to come out, you know, beat up, beat up at the end of it the way that. Tampa Bay is going to come out beat up at the end of it after playing Toronto, after playing the Yankees. Um, Modern-day murderer's row in New York with Aaron Judge, with Giancarlo Stanton, um, with Gleyber Torres, if, if he can get hot and put something together. Well, they this just season. benched Gary Sanchez. Right? You know, they've so. their players have not been getting it done, but if they ever flip the switch, like, I mean, geez, mm-hmm. that is tough. That's, a, that's still going to be... For me, playing in the AL East is tough, is tougher playing in the AL Central right now. And that's why I think the White Sox are going to come out of it. They're going to come out of that Central Division um, unscathed uh, at the end of it. Oh, no one's challenging the White Sox. That's not going to happen. No one Well, is. I mean, you look at this, though. Cleveland is half a game back at 25 and 15. Minnesota is a game and a half back at 25 and 17, but I don't see those two teams keeping Cleveland that up. Cleveland does not have the almighty clutch gene. They don't. Rajay Davis does. I, you know. <laughs> but he ain't there no more. No, yeah, neither is LeBron. <laughs> so there's that. But Cleveland, it's so nice LeBron left it twice. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but, yeah, you know, I for me, ultimately, I think – my dream World Series matchup, even though I won't be able to go to a game, which will suck, uh, would be the A's and the Padres. Um, okay. I think, I'm going to Oakland and Atlanta. I think both teams this year, uh, Oakland and San Diego, are just at a really good place where baseball is ready for two perennial underdogs to step up because that's what we need this season. With all this shit going on and with a 60-game season and expanded playoffs and whatever else – we need, we need two underdogs to step to, to to step up because that's that's what everybody feels like 
in 2020. We're all the underdogs. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Nobody wants to see a Dodger Yankee World Series. No. No one wants to see that. And I mean, could that happen? I mean, well, maybe, you know. Well, Yankees yeah. might get hot and slide into one of those final spots that normally they wouldn't have been in in a regular season. And, you know, I know that television and Twitter would love a Dodger Yankee World Series. Selfishly, I want Atlanta to get back there because that was the te- that was the team of the 90s. Yeah, you know, and, and, I mean, I mean, you can make all the jokes. You can you argue want. that they would be an underdog team because Washington was there last year. But yeah, you know what though, dude? Listen, you can make all the jokes that you want about their. Um, you can make all the jokes you want about their World Series record because God knows it's trash. Believe me, I'll be the first one to tell you that. I've had enough frustration. For I wasn't aware time. of that. Are they like the Buffalo Bills of of Major League Baseball? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> That's and sad. It, it really is. Um, but you know what? I don't care. Bobby Cox is like an adopted grandfather to all of us Braves fans, even though he's not there anymore. We grew up loving Bobby. Cheers loving, to Bobby Cox. Cheers to Bobby Cox. You got to. Dude's a legend. You know, so Bobby Cox, we all grew up with him as like an adopted grandfather to us all. And seeing him get thrown out of a game, seeing him get thrown out of a game, being there and being in the stadium while he gets thrown out of a game, Honestly, it's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage, and, <laughs> and I, I some of my favorite memories are being there with my grandparents, with my family, with my friends. Whether it's in San Francisco, whether it's in Atlanta, whether it's in LA, whether it's in San Diego, or wherever I've seen Atlanta play, you know, seeing Bobby and you know seeing how much he genuinely loved his players is something I'll always remember. And you know, now we have a great manager in Brian Snitker that I think can get the team back to their '90s sort of dominance mm-hmm. and I'm hopeful that we could see that return to greatness but you know it's been a while and as a fan I'm frustrated but you know what I think that we're getting back there I think you know COVID aside and the cluster you know what that this year has been you can say fuck on our podcast I can say fuck on our podcast yeah we're okay. not going out over like the AM airwaves so, or so anything. the cluster fuck that's been this year I think you know put that aside I think we could make a return to 90s dominance. I do. Selfishly, I would like to see that. And I have spoken. I have to drink my beer. I think a lot of teams feel that way. You know, they they feel like this might be a turning point because it doesn't matter. 60-game playoffs, you know, or a 60-game season extended playoffs. Are, are we playing the World Series in a bubble? All those things. All these things that make this season unique the best teams are going to capitalize on that. Yep. And teams are looking at this as not, well, let's just get through this. This isn't a real season. They're looking at this as an opportunity. And if you have a team that would in no other season be a World Series contender, they go out and they win a World Series. And I'm talking about, you know, the Padres. I'm talking about maybe the White Sox. You're talking about the Braves. I'm talking about Oakland. Yep. you got teams like that that are at the top or near the top in the case of the Padres right now of their division, maybe they wouldn't be in August, you know, or September at this point, but they are. Yeah. It's real for them. They yeah. see it. That's motivation. And if they win a World Series in this season, they take that into next season. They're the defending World Series champions. Well, I mean, as, as much as that's going to mean with a 60-game season. Well, for, for them, it's going to mean everything. Yeah, that's true. For them, it's, it's the start of a dynasty. Hopefully, you know, and yeah, you're right. this this might be the shakeup that baseball really needs in these playoffs. First of all, every single regular season game that I've watched has felt like a playoff game. The intensity is already there. We don't have that, you know, those dog days of summer, those 
games in July and August, so you're just like, oh my god, this. They have going done on. a great job in piping the sound in, though. Well, yeah, you know it. It feels it feels good watching it. the The competition level is very high. Mm-hmm. You're seeing these guys, and they're going to be fresh. The best players in the game are going to be fresh the whole season long, and maybe you can make the argument that that makes it more genuine. I don't yeah, know. You could, you know? but. Either way, I'm excited to see what happens between now and October. I'm excited to see how the playoffs shake out. I'm excited to see teams in the playoffs that normally wouldn't be there. Um, and we'll see what happens with fans and with a bubble scenario, which uh, I think has been pretty much agreed upon by Major League Baseball yeah. at this point. Yep. Um, and the other thing that I'm excited about is, you know, not a season that we're right in the middle of where we already have all these storylines but I'm excited about another season in a different sport where we're painting fresh storylines. And we don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, with college football? With college football. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're hearing a lot of things. I this, mean, isn't, this isn't baseball where you have a players union and you have owners and you have to come to an agreement and everyone plays under the same rules and then you decide a champion. We are literally, as of yesterday, because we're recording this on Sunday, as of yesterday and, and you know, the a previous couple days because the college football season started uh, at the end of last week. Yes, it did. Not, you know, with everyone playing on Saturday. Right. But either way, um, no one knows. I mean, no one even knows what the college football playoffs are going to look like. Not no one only knows, that, but no one knows if the season's going to finish. Yeah, no one knows if the season's going to finish. No one knows if it's even going to get started. Um, it's probably not going to get started uh, in conferences like the Big Ten. It is going to get started as soon as next weekend for conferences like the ACC, and then uh, toward the end of this month for the SEC. And, I mean, okay, the season kicked off. Me and you sat down. We, we watched an Arkansas State Memphis <laughs> we, game. We cracked open a couple of cold ones, and we watched Arkansas State and Memphis. The list of teams that I never thought I'd actually watch a game yeah. of. And I was excited to watch that game you until, and me both. until I started watching that game. Yeah, well, that's how I felt about NASCAR back in March or April, but, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we deal. Um, yeah, here we are. But you know what? I, I'm I'm excited at the thought of college football starting in a few weeks, but I'm also nervous. I'm nervous because I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to the news lately, but the Tennessee Vols, 44 people tested positive. Yeah. That, that worries me. That's a dirty little secret that we're just going to sweep under the rug. Yeah. And we're not talking about professional athletes' employees. We're, we're talking, talking about, about college students. We're talking about kids that are there on a scholarship to learn and to graduate yep. and to better themselves off the football field. Yep. And then you're talking about 44 student athletes from one athletic program uh, contracting this virus and testing positive. And no one was really talking about it. You know, I mean. Which also worries me. Exactly. Um, can they even have. A real season, you know. I mean, we we had games this weekend. We had games in smaller conferences with no fans, obviously. This weekend, how many positive tests are we going to get within the next week? I don't know, but I want to find out. I want to find out after. So it's probably going to take a couple of days after the Memphis Arkansas State game. I want to find out if there was any positive tests as a result of that game. If there is no positive tests as a result of that game, I think college football is going to be fine. 
Well, I mean, it's I not think... sports in the NHL and the NBA have have shown us what works is a bubble scenario. Yes. What works is everybody just staying and existing within the bubble with their own people, getting tested every single day, and taking the appropriate safety measures. If you're a professional athlete, a if you're a professional works. athlete, we're talking college students who walk off of that football field, hand their equipment over to an equipment, a student equipment manager who's there for probably, you know, a class credit. Right. Um, and then they they go back to a dorm where they live with roommates on or off campus. Yep. They might go to a party. They might travel out of town and go home and see their folks uh, if they're, you know, remote learning, which a lot of these students are in that yeah. situation. So they might be on campus for athletic activities, but after that they're going home. They're, they're getting out of Dodge. Um, I mean, employees, professional athletes following protocols being, I don't want to say stuck, but, you know, working within that bubble for the duration of their season, that's one thing. You're talking amateur athletes, student athletes, yep. with other priorities. Their education. And they're not just interacting with the 80 or so, 85 plus, uh, you know, football players that are on a typical college roster. It's, it's that team that they go and play, you know, one week. Because, again, they're not playing these games in a bubble. They're traveling. They're going all over the place. They're having other teams come into their stadium. They're going to other stadiums. Um, some teams are still uh, going to have fans in, in the near future. Uh, Notre Dame is going to have fans. SEC is going to have fans. SEC as well. is going to have fans. Yeah. I mean, how can we play a full season and be so concerned with you know testing and what are they going to do if there's a positive test? So they're just going to cancel that game and then move on and try again next week. So you're, I mean, you, it's only a what a, a ten game season in, yeah, in nine, a lot of cases nine, yeah. yeah, even less. So, so you you bring up a good point, but here's another thing that worries me outside of COVID testing. Mm -hmm. Look at what Utah just did with their athletic department. They furloughed their entire athletic department. Yeah, that worries me. Well, I mean, because Pac-12 was already not playing. Pac-12 was I get, I right. Get it. But that's that's why they had to make that decision. They had to make that decision because football at Utah and every other school really, except for you know a handful of basketball schools, um, that football program that funds all of those other sports. Yeah, it funds your volleyball, it funds your baseball, it funds your rowing, it funds your fencing, it funds your gymnastics, um, it funds your softball. Um, it funds your field hockey. Don't take away my your lacrosse. All of these other your wrestling. Yep. Your your weightlifting. Um, your basket weaving. Your underwater shuffle, basket weaving. Your shuffleboarding. Your shuffleboarding. Yeah. Your pickleballing. It's Don't uh, take away my pickleballing. <laughs> it funds all of these other programs, uh, football, and in a lot of cases, but not most cases, uh, basketball as well is a revenue sport, and that's it. Those are the money makers for the program. In the millions of dollars that Ohio State football generates, that funds the rest of the athletic department. And for colleges to not have that, it's so much easier to not play because you're not going to make money without There's fans. There's going to be a ripple effect that's going to last for years. Yeah, so 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 Utah just saying no, we're not doing sports anymore right now for the foreseeable future. You know that that's reality. 
and it's reality, but there's going to be a, a lasting effect. There is absolutely going to be a lasting effect. A lot of these programs that didn't play in the spring or didn't play in the fall, they're not coming back. Well, and I, I think what you're going to end up seeing too is you're end, you're going to end up seeing somebody ultimately finding a way to blame all of this on the NCAA. Yeah, you know, I that's that's a very fair argument. Um, it's and I clear. Would probably be one of them. It's clear that the NCAA does not exist in a leadership capacity um, at this point. Uh, they don't even really exist in a governing body capacity because if they had any juice as a governing body, they would have said either everyone plays or no one or no one plays. And they, they didn't do that. They, they took a step back and they said, oh, we're going to make a decision at this point, and then we're going to make a decision at that point, and then we're going to... They never made... They still haven't made a decision. They overthink everything. All that they said was, oh, well, we're just going to leave it up to the ADs and the conference commissioners and the school presidents. Eh, figure it out, guys. Good luck. The NCAA cares about dollar signs. How can you call yourself a legitimate you know, sports entity, a legitimate governing body, if you don't govern? Well, and if so, you don't rule over that sport that you claim to, you there know, needs to be. And obviously, well, they they rule over several sports, but right. but we're not just talking football here. We're talking. They don't have an answer. What's going to happen for you know even college baseball next year? The assumption and the rumor is that we're not going to have college baseball start up again until April, and we're going to have a World Series, a college World Series that stretches into July. That's the rumor. Well, you know what? I think this is when you're But have you heard that from the NCAA? Uh, no. no, you haven't heard anything from the NCAA. And I think you talk about – the NCAA always likes to talk about lack of institutional control. I think there's a lack of institutional control in the NCAA. And I think what is long overdue and it's been long needed is you scrap the NCAA for the garbage heap that it is. Get rid of it. I don't want to see you again. You're trash. College football or college sports in general – you can make an argument, okay, do you do it just for college football and each individual sport, or do you do it for college sports, period, needs a commissioner? I don't think that it can be one person. I don't think that it can be one person that is tasked with overseeing all of college sports. Um, I don't think that it, it makes sense to have a college football commissioner and a college rowing commissioner and a college wrestling commissioner. Um what I think makes sense is having committees. And, you know, one of the major steps for the NCAA losing power was the college football playoff committee. Which I'm a big fan of. Which is, of course, overseen by the NCAA, but it's a different way of thinking. Um, the NCAA or the Associated Press or, or whoever does not have a say in who ends up in the college football playoff. There's a committee of a handful of, of people with extensive background in college football, um, in college sports at all levels, the administrative level, the coaching level, the playing level, whatever it is. Um, and they make the decisions. And that's worked. That's worked yeah. extremely well. Uh, the commissioners of these conferences and the coaches of these teams and the presidents of these universities, they all agree that that's a pretty good way to do it. Let's put it in the hands of, of a committee. So instead of having the NCAA that just sits back and cashes checks for the rights that they own simply because these universities allow them to, um, why don't we have committees? We can have an overall college football committee 
that helps to determine scheduling yeah. and rules and regulations and scholarships and, you know, a diversification of funds that come into the program. Um, and then I think that you can do that with other sports as well. You can have committees for other sports. It has to start somewhere. Right. It has to start somewhere. I selfishly say, let's start with the biggest college sports entity in the history of the known universe. Let's start with football. Let's get a blueprint. We already have that with the college football playoff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's develop that and let's find a way to phase out the NCAA altogether mm-hmm. because it's trash. It's trash. The NCAA only cares about their bottom line. They only look at students as dollar signs. And initially, I was not a proponent of players monetizing themselves strictly to relative to California because mm-hmm. I was worried about how that was going to impact recruiting. Mm-hmm. And but if you make that a national thing, totally on board with it. Yeah, and the chickens have come home to roost for the NCAA. Yep, They've spent decades turning this into profit, 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 profit. And they're a glorified licensing company. You know, all that they do is they have the right to organize and promote all of these college sports. And they're making millions, if not billions at this point, off of that. Um, and for what? You know, I mean, they're supposed to be a nonprofit. You know, yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and they're, they're doing a disservice to the student athletes. They're still providing a service to a lot of universities, but not all of them. I mean, you're telling me that you know, between Ohio State and Auburn and Alabama and Tennessee and Florida and USC and Notre Dame and the strongest brands in the game that those teams wouldn't just be like, well, hey, sorry, NCAA, but you really don't do anything for us right now. We're going to yep. go off and we're going to form our own governing body. They could absolutely do that, and that scares the I, shit out of yeah. the NCAA. And this season in 2020, where you have some conferences playing, other conferences not, Division three, Division two, it's Division one, NAIA across the board, it's happening. And NAIA obviously not associated sure. with the NCAA for for all the right reasons, but you still, it's clear that the NCAA has no control. Yeah, they, they have no control, and with the little control that they do have, they're not willing to do anything with it. They didn't straight up call the SEC and say, if you play this season, you're going to be disqualified from all NCAA competition for the next five years. They didn't throw the death penalty of those teams. They'll, they'll threaten the death penalty for getting tattoos. Yeah. They'll threaten the death penalty for, you know, exceeding your practice, you know, time and regulations and all that. The way they administer punishments is a moving target. And it's that's insane. what's so frustrating and so absurd. Yeah, but yeah. but they won't threaten the death penalty. They won't threaten you're not playing, you're taking right. seasons off. Yeah. From playing, they won't do that in the middle of a pandemic when these teams want to play. Well, okay, then your whole organization is gutless. And you've just shown us that all you care about is making money, and they're going to make a lot of money from the ACC. They're going to make a lot of money from the SEC. We'll see if the Big Ten gets there. Um, I mean, the the Big Ten commissioner had the president of the United States on the phone yes, with him uh, last week discussing how can we figure this out. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that. It is bullshit that we have all these other conferences playing, and the Big Ten isn't one of them. Power Five conference, massive money maker. But Big you know Twelve what? is playing now. 
Really? Yeah. Big, but but more than the dollar sign aspect of it, look at the talent. I mean, you want to take a guy, I mean, first of all, Ohio State has an embarrassment of riches, you know, talent-wise. Right. You're going to screw up these kids' possible entry into the NFL. Yep. By doing this, they yep. can't showcase their talent. Justin Fields is a, is an arguably going to be a top five pick this year. Well, Justin Fields is is, is going to be fine, but, you know, but it he'll does, be okay. doesn't matter. But he he I think is indicative of a larger problem. And the larger problem is what about those guys that have the third or the fourth or the fifth round grade that need the regular season for them to showcase their talent to put something on tape to be able to get drafted into the NFL. And they're not going to be able to play, you know. So either everyone plays or no one plays. Absolutely. And yeah, I I feel bad, you know. I feel the worst for the fifth year seniors. Yeah. Where this was going to be their last year, and they're they're already a fifth year senior, so their their draft prospects already are slimmed down because they some of these guys they may have no never leverage. put on another football uniform after this year ever again. But some of them are going to have pro prospects, but those prospects are likely going to be as undrafted free agents. Yeah. Where they need that final season of, of tape of real to put together, where someone could say, "All right, this guy's ready now." You know, we're not going to draft him, but we're going to sign him because he's ready. Yeah, you're not going to see that anymore. You're not going to no, see. No, you're not. You know, um, a friend of mine when I was at and it's a damn shame. Ohio State, Kurt Coleman, mm-hmm. um, Jake Ballard. You know, Jake Ballard. What a I went to class with those guys. Those guys were undrafted. Mm-hmm. Jake Ballard ended up a Super Bowl champion, playing a crucial role as tight end for the New York Giants. Mm. And Kirk Coleman ended up one of the better safeties in the league for the Philadelphia Eagles in the same era. Um, yeah, Both guys undrafted, uh, really didn't have a shot. And um, I know Jake is selling houses right now in, uh, in the greater Columbus, Ohio area, so good for him. That great for um, him, absolutely. Not sure what uh, Kurt is, is up to, but these guys need that. These guys need that exposure. Um, not everyone is going to be, you know, a first-round draft pick like Justin Fields right. is going to be, or Trevor Lawrence is going to be. Um, so yeah, you know, I feel bad for those guys because this is their their livelihood. Yeah, it you know, is, it, it is. is their livelihood. You know, as much as we want to call them student athletes, their future and their focus is on a professional career. Yeah. So, so is this? What's the right decision? Nobody is, knows what the right decision well, is, it, I don't think. Is the right decision to play or not to play? I think, yeah, I mean, you, you, that's a hard question to ask, man. That's a hard question to ask. Or I should say, that's a hard question to answer because, you know, by and large, look at Arkansas State, Memphis, Right. Let's see what happens positivity-wise if, you know, after this game, I think that's going to dictate yeah, and after all how this is yeah. all going, right? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, what's the right decision? I don't think anybody knows yet. I, I think you have two sides of a legitimate argument, but I don't think you're going to get a real answer for a while. You know, I, I really don't. I don't think you are. I think the right answer is honesty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sure. the, the honest answer right now needs to be, no, we're not going to play. And that needs to be the answer for everybody because you can honestly say, you can honestly say that it isn't safe, it isn't necessary to ask student athletes to put themselves and their families 
and their friends and their professors and their colleagues at risk to go play a game that is of an amateur status. Right. It does not matter. Right. It doesn't. But on the other side of the coin, if we're being honest, we know that it's not about amateurism. We know that it's not about protecting the safety of these student-athletes and their friends and family. They don't give a shit about that. They care about the almighty dollar. Yep. If we're being honest. And that's my beef. And if we're going to be honest, then just come out and be like, hell fucking yeah, we're playing. Yeah. You know why? Because these these schools need this money. We got to make that money. They're not going to lose out on seven, eight, nine figures by not playing. The Big Ten's not going to give up their television deal. The SEC's not going to give up their SEC network television deal mm-hmm. and all the money and the ad revenue that comes along with it. You're right, man. We're playing these games, and we're not doing it because it's in the best interest of the fifth-year seniors and all that. No, we're doing it because of money because we want to make the money. About the, the so kids. I'm just saying, whatever decision you make, just be honest. Mm-hmm. NCAA, conferences, universities, presidents, commissioners, be honest. Don't, either don't either treat come us out. Like we're stupid. We're not stupid. Well, yeah. it, no, we're not stupid. <laughs> well, not always. But. Don't come out and say, "Oh, we're gonna, you know, make sure that it's safe. We're gonna do everything that we can." No, go fuck yourself. Okay. Yeah. Either be honest and be like, "No, this is not safe. This I'm does not, not make sense. These are amateur athletes playing for you know their scholarships, and they're still gonna have those scholarships. So we don't need to create a." Dog and pony show every Saturday just for the Don't sake of it. Don't talk to me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. But then if you're going to be honest on that side of it, at least have the integrity to come out on the other side and say, yeah, we're going to play these games for the shitload of cash that we're about to make exactly. off of So, uh, yeah, that's the right decision is the honest one. And however you want to take it, an honest yes or an honest no, just be honest about it. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an opinion, but whatever that decision is, just be honest about just it. Just be honest. And that, that's what it is. That's what it is, man. Well. It's that time again, isn't it? It is that time again. It is. Oh, it's that damn last call. It is time for last call. We're going to bring it home a little bit earlier than we did last time. Um, save uh, our both of our listeners. Um, I a think, lot of pain. I think we're up to two now. Yeah. Save them uh, some pain. Because um, listening. You know, it's true. On, uh, you know, this, maybe this. Wednesday evening or this Thursday morning or uh, whenever this is released, but it'll be released before uh, kickoff of the NFL season this upcoming Thursday, uh, which is September the 11th. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe. No, 10th. Maybe. September 10th. 10th. September 10th. This will be released on or before September 10th. And then we're coming back um, after uh, the first weekend of NFL games with our thoughts and reactions and our conversation. And, uh, you sound like a Frenchman just now. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Pierre Gasly again. Um, so Pierre. yeah, we're going to come back breaking down week one NFL action, breaking down, uh, probably another week of, uh, MLB playoffs. Um, I want to mix some hockey into the show, so we got to start doing that. Do it, we're in yeah. the Western, we're in the Western Conference Finals right can now. We, so can we? Um, can well, we... but before we talk about next week, we're going to wrap this up with last call. And today there was another sporting event that we haven't talked about on the show yet, um, and that was 
That was an event where typically a bunch of people, um, usually with big hats and fancy hairstyles. And big, hair, big hairstyles, yep, thank you. They, they all get together in BFE, uh, Kentucky, which is already BFE. Louisville. Um, which is... If you say Louisville, I'm going to smack you. It's Louisville. Louis, Louis, Louvier, Um No more drinking for you. They all go there and they, they watch barn animals uh, run around in a circle once. Um, and it's a big deal. It is. It's huge. And they call it the Kentucky Derby. And, uh, you know, today the Kentucky Derby happened. Here we are on September 6th. And this is another sporting event, one of the biggest sporting events yes, that, that happens annually. Yep. Um, as much as I don't enjoy it. Um, I, uh, you've, you have been to, to, I, to Louisville. Well, I didn't have a great experience when I was in Louisville for the Kentucky I, I can't Derby. imagine how you would standing around in, in pig shit and mud and, yeah, and whatever that's, else. That's, that's a story that's <laughs> not appropriate for, for, the, uh, for the podcast. But listen, I just need to throw this in about, out there to anybody who wants to partake in a mint julep before watching this, this sporting event. Do yourself a favor. Make a mint julep. Take it over to the sink. Turn that some bitch upside down and dump it the fuck in the sink. I thought you were going a different direction with that. Because I thought you were going to say make one at home. Know what you're getting into. No. It's not what you're expecting. It tastes like drink, horse piss. You're basically drinking sugar. <laughs> and if you want to drink sugar, then drink actual sugar. Then order this a Long Island. They'll actually get the job done. Thank you. Order a Long Island iced tea. You know. Louisville, you can take mint juleps and shove them up somebody's ass for all I care. You're in the heart. You're in the heart of bourbon country. Yeah, that's true. Okay. You are in the heart of bourbon country in Kentucky. And what do they then do? Give me some bourbon. Don't give me a. Fucking what do they do with this wonderful spirit? This American spirit. You they it they with mint. fuck it up with some mint bullshit and sugar. God. And they ask you to drink it in the blazing sun. Just if it's good bourbon. You just give, me give the it damn to me bourbon. neat. Give it to me neat. Or if it's if it's warm, give it to me. You know, with with a big ass rock in it. Or better yet, just make it old fashioned, which uh, I think we're gonna do as soon as we jump off the air here. Um, oh, that sounds so good. Either way, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, another one of these historic events like the Indy Five Hundred that was supposed to happen in May. Now we have it happening in September. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to follow horse racing throughout the year, so. It's always interesting to find out, you know, when the Kentucky Derby comes around, who is, who's got a shot, who's going to be the horse. Yep. And if the winner wins in a horse by the name of Authentic one today. Yes. Um, which is uh, hilariously ironic. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah. That um, Authentic won a race that was uh, normally takes place in May and was postponed to September and. Mm -hmm. I'm not a horse guy, but I might imagine that some horse guy might argue that the, the, the race, because of the postponement or whatever, was not authentic. <laughs> don't laugh at that. That was stupid. I can um, laugh at whatever I want to laugh at. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, authentic was 8-1 uh, to one odds. And, you know, he goes out and he wins, um, which was, I don't think it was very unexpected. It's not like a crazy dark horse. I'm right. not even sure what color he was, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the proverbial. You're killing it with the puns today, man. You're just killing it. But, um, yeah, you know, that was um, – it was another event that I really think got lost uh, to 2020 because there was no buzz. There was no lead-up. Um, I would at least, you know, 
throw it on the TV for the two minutes that the race happens. I don't care about the build-up. For the up excuse the to have a glass of bourbon. Or, or what, yeah, exactly. And not a mint julep. But you know what? Let me just tell you. Not it, a mint julep. Bottom line, I think the Kentucky Derby encompasses all of 2020 and especially sports in 2020. And it's this. You're going to treat 2020 like you're going to treat Fight Club. What's the first rule of 2020? You never talk about 2020. <laughs> What's the second rule about 2020? You never talk about 2020. Okay. So I am personally looking forward to turning the page on this godforsaken year, even though I know it might bleed into 2021 a little bit. I'm over this crap, man. I'm ready to just get back to sports as normal. I want to get on an airplane and go somewhere. And if it means that, you know, I have to wear a damn mask to do it, I'm going to do it. I would appreciate if you wear a mask more often, just personally. Why is my breast smell? I, you know, that's that's one reason. <sighs> Damn it. You know? At least I don't um, have that mustache anymore, so that's good. Uh, that's unfortunate, actually. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I should probably grow it back. So with that, it's last call for us. Um, we're going to let you go. We're going to be back on here, um, like I said, uh, later this week. After, we'll try to make it better. We'll, we'll try. Um, no promises. We're not going to make it better. This is probably as good as it's going to get. Um, oh, no, this is pretty bad. If you're listening to this and... and disgusted? Well, if you're listening to episode two, it's clear that you didn't listen to episode one. And if you listened to episode one, then you're clearly not listening to episode two. So I guess what we're trying to say is cheers. 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 If, if you're disgusted, just know that we are too. <laughs> Drop us a line on Twitter. Find us. Uh, visit the website. Um, hopefully Ryan is actually going to... You know what? I don't want to hear it. Learn how to type and give us a story I uh, don't shortly. spell good. So, and, you know, the rest. Anyway, we're out. If we uh, could pay for a music license, this is where we would pay um, to play some outro music from, like, Cardi B or something like that. But we can't afford that yet, so... Just go grab a drink. Grab a drink. Make a drink. Cheers a drink. We Lift out. glass. Deuces. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Oh.